Lord, we know that um, we, we really are without uh, much attractiveness or resource except for what Christ has done for us. And we were valuable enough to you that he would die for us. And so it is in his grace and it is in his attraction that we come to you. We love you, dear Lord, and we ask you to uh, guide us in this worship service that we might minister to you, that we might glorify you. Thank you for making us family in Christ, funny as we are. Uh, grow us closer together, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know that we are just going through the greatest sermon on holiness that was ever preached. It's the Sermon on the Mount, preached by our Lord Jesus, and it covers Matthew 5, 6, and 7, those chapters. We're just making a transition this weekend out of chapter 5, where Jesus has just finished taking the law and deepening it and making it higher and making it more personal. And he's saying, you know, your definitions of holiness about this law thing, it was okay as good as it, as far as it went, but it didn't go nearly far enough. Well, now in the sixth chapter of Matthew, he turns from the law and extends his teaching to religious practices. That is, those things he expects that all of us will be doing, the giving and the praying and, and so on and so forth. And he does the exact same thing with them. He makes it go deeper. He, ta he makes it a heart issue, not a head issue or a behavioral issue, a heart issue. And he makes it very personal. Now today we want to talk about giving without expecting a return. In the sixth chapter of Matthew, chapter one, I'm mean, sorry, verse one, Jesus says this, beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Now, listen very closely. This does not forbid public goodness. It says in Matthew chapter five, verse 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Now that's public goodness also, isn't it? Well, then what's the difference? The difference is the motivation. The difference is why you're doing it. The difference is your heart, your reason for doing it. Listen to this. How you doing? What can I help you find today? Oh, uh, uh, nothing. Actually, I was uh, looking for... Looking? Sure, feel free. <sighs> See anything you like? Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, no, no. I, um, actually, I, actually, I was just looking What's for... What's your name? Joe. Russ. Yeah. Good to see you, Joe. Hey, you looking at the, uh, the sport utilities, huh? No, no. You a family man? Yeah, absolutely. Do a little driving on business trips? Used to. Uh, used to be in sales. 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 Mm -hmm. Sales. Uh-huh. You look familiar to me, Joe. Yeah. Well, I, uh, right? You know, a few weeks back. Joe. Joe. You were in here. I was here. A few weeks back. Bought a car. Right. <laughs> Russ. Four-door uh, four sedan. You got it. Uh, <laughs> good to see you. <laughs> How's that cup holder? Never been better. That's uh, great. Knew I recognized you. Never forget a face. Is that right? Oh, yeah. It helps to remember people, Joe. I remember everybody. 
That's why I got the best sales record in the entire Southeast. No kidding. No kidding. No kidding. No kidding. Mm. <laughs> Is that why you got the Humanitarian of the Year Award? I uh, heard about that, did you? <laughs> Who hasn't? I mean, actually, that's the reason I... Let I'm me uh, tell you a little secret here, Joe. Just, uh, just between me and you. I fought hard for that award. Had to give away a couple of cars to get it. But it's worth it. It's gonna be on TV. Meet Marla Weech. <laughs> Is that right? Oh, yeah. Say, you, uh, you ever notice the way she says that word exclusive? Uh, no. <laughs> no, I haven't. Uh, the, the cards, the cards. You actually gave away two cars to earn this award? Oh, sure, sure. Well, last year I, uh, I wrote a big check to some, some kid's charity or another. Got my face on the cover of Orlando Magazine. <laughs> <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Next year I think I'll give a bunch of money to one of these churches. Uh, big churches always whining about their financial needs, you know. Northland Commune Church, one of those. <laughs> Yeah, people love it when you give to a church. <laughs> it's a great tax write-off. <laughs> wow. That's great, Russ. Uh, but yeah, you ever thought about giving anonymously, you know, maybe take some pleasure in that? Oh, just, I don't know. Where are you from? Sanford? <laughs> no. You have to understand today's business, Joe. Today's business. You see, in today's market, drop a check here, drop a check there, give an organization a break on a car, too. That gets me on television, in the magazines. Customers see that, Joe. They think I'm some kind of hero. They come flooding in. I make a bundle. <laughs> well, you know, I made more last year than my dad made his entire life. That's a fact. I just bought a new house. Shaq's old place. Yeah, gonna paint it blue and white. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's great, Russ. Well, I, I gotta get going. Gotta get back to work. Sure. Good seeing you. Hey, wait a minute. Oh! You know, you never told me what you stopped in for. No. 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 Sorry. Came in for an interview. I'm from the Sentinel. Well, you can't always get what you want. <laughs> and sometimes when you do get what you want, it's not what you want. Now, let's talk for a while about how to give in order to maintain an intimate relationship. And let's not make it quite so easy, shall we? Let's not try to paint it a, a, a bad or good situation because it's always good to give. And people who give deserve thank yous. And they deserve praise. As a matter of fact, it says in Romans chapter 2, verse 10, but glory and honor and peace to every man who does good, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. And so it's good to do good. And there is a place for praise and honor in that. But Jesus wants to take us a little deeper. Let me read to you the first six verses of the sixth chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. 
Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. When therefore you give alms, that is, you give to to the poor folks. When therefore you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you. Now, this is a metaphor. This is not literally. You know, you didn't see Jews going down with a shofar and saying, Hey, look, I'm giving here. By the way, this is where we get the expression, don't blow your own horn. comes from this passage. Do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be honored by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. Now watch, there's a reward. Even for public giving, even for the wrong reasons, even for selfish reasons, there's a reward. But there's a limit to the reward. It says, but when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Now, how is that even possible? The people I know that read that for the first time go, what is, what's up with that? How can you do that? I tell you, you can become so automatic and so normal and so first nature in your giving, you don't even think about it. I mean, you just see somebody, you just give to it. It doesn't, it's not... It's not a, a conscientious thing. It's not even a conscious thing anymore. You've become so much like Christ that when you see a need, boom, you just give. So that is possible, and that's the goal. Now look at what Jesus says. That your alms may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will repay you. And when you pray, now, this is, in the, in the Greek, this is a, uh, a plural. This is a, a lesson for y'all. I want to teach y'all something. And when you pray, you are not to be as the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on street corners in order to be seen by men. Now, most of you know historically that both in the Jewish religion and in the Islamic religion, there are certain times of day for prayer. Wherever you are during those times, you're supposed to uh, just say those prayers. Well, it's not beyond uh, the realm of imagination that those people who loved public uh, acclaim would position themselves in the busiest parts of town at exactly that time. They knew what the time was. It was the same time every day. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying. Don't position yourself in the most public place so that you can stand there and pray for a long time. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you... Now, something interesting happens in the text here. He switches from a y'all to you. It goes from a plural to a singular. It goes from an indicative to an emphatic. In other words, this has your personal name on it. Jesus says, but you... When you pray, go into your inner room. And when you have shut the door, pray to your Father. Pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will repay you. We live in a world that has a system of rewards and punishments. And God designed it. Not a bad world. God designed it this way. As a matter of fact, it says in 1 Corinthians 
chapter 3, verse 8, this. But each will receive his own reward. In Greek, the word is wage. And you know, wage can be negative as well as positive. The wages of sin is death. So that's a negative. But each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. And so therefore, we live in a world that has some immediate rewards and some immediate punishments. And, and that's not a bad thing. You know why? Because it gives us the understanding in a very practical way that our God is a just God. The Bible says that whatever you sow, you're going to reap. You're going to reap it in kind. If it's positive, you're going to reap positive. If it's negative, you're going to reap negative because our God is a just God. And so we have these little systems of, of punishments and, and rewards that we approximate. And, and, and it's perfectly normal to do so. And it even can modify some terrible behavior. I don't know how many of you remember that old joke about that lady who went into the pet store one time. She's an old Christian school marm and uh, been in the pet store, wanted a parrot, saw this parrot. And this was a small town, and, and, the, and the, the, the pet store owner uh, knew who she was and knew she was a real straight-laced Christian lady. And, and uh, she said, I, I want to buy this parrot over here. And, the, and the, <laughs> the store owner looked at her and said, Ma'am, you don't want that parrot. That parrot, uh, parrot belonged to old sailor, old seafaring captain. And the, and the parrot just cusses all the time. Just cusses up. Well, it got her, it got her school marm thing going, you know? She said, I can correct that. We'll just see about that. And, and the store says, no, you really don't, no, I'll, I'll, I'll correct that. She really was convinced with it, with, with enough love and, and good form and discipline she could correct it. So she takes a bird home, hits, the bird hits the door, just starts cussing all over the place. Cuss, 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 cuss. And she looked at the bird, she says, now you stop that. Cuss, 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 cuss. She looked at the bird, she says, if you don't stop that, I'm going to put you in the freezer for a while. And the bird cuts, 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 cuts. She takes the bird, puts him in the freezer, shuts the door. Ten minutes later, comes back, gets the bird out. The bird's just shivering like crazy. And looks at the lady, goes, oh, okay, I won't do it anymore. He says, but I got one question for you. What'd that turkey do? So we, we live in this world that rewards and punishments are just taken for granted, you know, and that's, that's how we live. That's how we raise our kids. We try to raise our kids by rewarding the good things and punishing the bad things. And that system is good as far as it goes. Watch that. Watch that. As far as it goes. Because Jesus is saying there is a severe limitation to that system. You know what it is? This will be very helpful uh, for you parents. Um, 1957, I remember that because it was a good year for Chevys. Uh, 1957, Leon Fettinger, I used to teach uh, psychology at Oakland City College, and one of my favorite parts of the textbook was this, um, this um, theory that Leon Fettinger um, devised after many experiments and observations about people's motivation and values. And the name of the theory was cognitive dissonance. And what he did was this. He said, you know, there are many things that we do in life that make us terribly uncomfortable. And because we want to be at peace inside, 
we have to have some way of justifying or addressing that discomfort. That, that's what dissonance is. It's, a, it's a, something strange here. Something is sour. Something's not going right. And in this experiment, he says, there are really two ways to live with that dissonance or to address that dissonance, that discomfort. One is that people will stay uncomfortable for a very long time if you reward them enough. And if the reward is immediate, and if the reward is positive, and if the reward is worth the discomfort, they can live with it. But, he says, if you don't reward someone for that discomfort, what they will finally do is begin to believe that the discomfort is necessary and right, watch this, and so they will make peace with the discomfort and they will change their beliefs and values to accommodate the discomfort. Now, this can be negative and positive, but let me show it to you in a positive way. People, if you are raising your kids and for everything they do, you're rewarding them, and for everything they do bad, you're punishing them, that will be good as far as it goes as long as you're on the spot. But it won't let them grow deep values. All it will do is teach them to respond to a certain reward and punishment system, and they can live with that. But if you want kids with values that go very deep, sooner or later you're going to have to teach them to be good for nothing. Literally. You're going to have to teach them that this is what we do because it's right, because this is what God wants. And the reward is doing what God wants. You either have a kid who's a little profiteer and hope that he stays in a Christian system. Or you have a kid with very deep values because he's had to perform those values just because they were right. When Jesus says to us, look, you can go out and get public acclaim. It's okay. I know you guys love it when people tell you you did a good job. That's okay. That's a reward. But, he says, every time you get that, boom, you've been paid in full. You're stamped paid in full. There's nothing that extends beyond that. There's no spiritual benefits that go beyond that. You've been paid in this world with this world's acclaim, but you've got nothing eternal as kind of a bankroll. I'll talk about that bankroll in a couple of weeks or in a little while. Now, he, knowing us, knows that a lot of us started off to please God. A lot of these, a lot of these folks here started off to please God. They, 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 they wanted that personal relationship with God. But they got distracted and they got attracted toward other kinds of reinforcements. You see, when Jesus said in Luke Chapter 6, verse 35, this. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. What was he trying to grow in us? 
deep values, deep values, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. You know what the reward is? We become like God. We give grace like God. We give, give, give like God. That's what the reward is. It's a, it's a, it's a huge thing. But we can get distracted from that and do get distracted because we live in this world. And, and, we, and we have these little inklings of what we'd kind of like to have out of this world. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 13, verse 22, when he's, when he's telling the parable about the seed, the sower and the seed, you remember in verse 22 where he says, and there's this seed that landed on this ground and it started to spring up, but there were weeds around it. And eventually, those weeds choked that seed, that, that sapling. And then afterwards, Jesus himself interprets that parable and says, what are the weeds? The cares of the world. It's the cares of the world. Well, now, let's take this a little bit further than we usually do, because that's the whole idea of this Sermon on the Mount thing. Let's take it not just to apply to our concern, but to apply to our relationships. You know, many people love affirmation from many people. But there's a limitation that comes with that. And the limitation is that when you want affirmation from many people, many times you are stunted in a personal relationship with one person. Because you're looking for approval from many. And that's a different kind of behavior than just developing a relationship with one. And so these cares that Jesus talks about that can choke out this original seed can stand for our trying to get affirmation from everybody instead of just developing a relationship with God. Our trying to get approval from everybody for what we give instead of just giving to the Father who first gave to us. And that as a personal and intimate expression. And so he's saying a couple of things can happen. You can lose your first love and you can forget why you're doing this thing at all. You know, because this whole thing is about your father. The whole, the reason that we give is about your father. But you know what? You can also lose sight of the fact that he's even there. It can become so automatic and you can get into this business system that really works. I mean, it really that's the problem with this thing. It really works. You give enough and in a worldly way, and you'll get back in a worldly way. You get, but, but you give us if you give to personally to God, then you get back in a personal way. And what we can do is we can get distracted with all of our activities, and we can forget God that God's even there. When 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 uh, my kids were little. Becky and Isaac and I went to the store one time. I don't know where you, you and Joel were, Josh, but, but uh, it was just us three in the car. And Becky ran in. This is Indiana, you know, and, I, and, and so you could just kind of hang out in the parking lot. Becky ran in and said, you guys stay out here. and I'll go in and, and uh, be back in a few minutes. And so we rolled the windows down and the breeze was coming through. And I was leaning back in the front seat, and I had just bought um, these uh, old, uh, remember the, the, they used to have mirror sunglasses? I mean, it was just literally mirrors. I uh, just watched like Cool Hand Luke or something or something. I thought that was really fine movie. So, so I bought these things. And uh, Isaac and I were in a car, and I'm kind of leaning back, you know, and, the, 
and looking out my mirror sunglasses. Now, Isaac's always been a touchy-feely kid. I mean, you can't be in the room with this guy unless he's trying to wrestle you or hug you or whatever. He just always made body contact, real touchy-feely. So, so she's not out of the car one second before he just hops on my lap, you know? And he's tickling me and he's kind of gooping on you. And, and, and he looks up and he, he gets right into my face and he says, Hey, I can see myself in your... For five minutes, this kid made faces into these sunglasses, totally oblivious to the fact that not a quarter of an inch behind a glass, there were two eyes that were just looking at him. Had no idea I was even there. Now, let me ask you if you don't think the same thing happens in your life. You get up, you got a list of stuff you got to do, you got to go see his, you got to get distracted, you get it, and, and it's all about, well, what am I doing now? Well, what, how do I look here? What, what am I doing now? What am I, and, and the whole time, you're, you're losing track that just behind this thin veneer you call reality, there's a giant set of eyeballs that are just trained on you. Now, now, he's delighted to be looking at you, but your father sees you in secret. Your father sees you in secret. And so, if we can get behind glasses, if we can realize God's not absent, the only reason we can do even what we're doing is because we're in his lap. That's, a, that's the first thing we've got to realize. But then we've got life as it really is. Yes, we can see ourselves but we can still talk to the one right behind the veil because he's designed this world to see us in secret. And so we've got to train ourselves to focus on some things we can't see and to look for some things we can't get ordinarily that aren't a mirror of who we are. Well, how do you do that? Well, first of all, You've got to realize how easy it is to forsake those precious relationships God's given us for the things of the world. It says there's a really sad relationship in, 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 uh, in, in 2 Timothy 4.10. Uh, Paul talks about his relationship with a man named Demas. Demas started out as his partner and his friend. And Demas, in the first time Paul mentions him, was this Demas, my partner, is here working with me. The second time he's mentioned, it's he's just among some other names. But the third time he's mentioned, Paul says this, Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. It is so easy to want the rewards of the world here, the acclamation, it's so easy to become enamored with the voices outside and the needs inside. It's not all, I want your credit. Some people, some people do these and say, you know, I want to just give, I just want to give because it makes me feel good. I just want to give because I want to know that I'm doing other people good and that gives me a sense of accomplishment. There's nothing wrong with that. But again, you have your reward. 
you will always get the reason why you gave. And if you gave for a claim and you get a claim, you have your reward. And if you gave for a good feeling and you get a good feeling, you have your reward. But if you're giving to draw closer to God, if you're giving to maintain that relationship, to, 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 I tell you what, did you ever have a, a, a grandmother or a grandfather who had a whole bunch of grandkids? You were just one of the grandkids. But every once in a while, old grandma would sneak up to you. Just look around, just slip you a piece of candy. And then she'd go like this. You know? How did you feel? Man, you boy, that's great. She she I'm not just another grandkid. She's got this special thing for me. Because it was secret, it was intimate. Do you understand what what God feels like when when we when we just go You know, it's it's not he doesn't need the money. We didn't need the candy. But it was this thing where we're going. You know, there's this thing. There's just this, this intimacy that comes from that kind of focus. And that can only come from people who do good out of who God has made them to be. To love back. Uh, a few weeks ago, uh, Beck and I, Beck and I had, or a couple of weeks ago, Beck and I had our 25th wedding anniversary, and we went to uh, Cypress Gardens just to have a date. You know, just to—I'd never been there, she'd never been there, so we went to. And it's and it's great going to Cypress Gardens with a biology teacher because it's she knows. I mean, she can name all the stuff and teach me. It was great. It was a great day. We we hung around in the butterfly thing. I love that little butterfly thing. Just kind of sitting there and watching. I love that. That was so beautiful, so peaceful. And, of course, the gardens and the plants are just wonderful. But I thought the other day of a garden I liked better. It wasn't nearly so neatly arranged, nor nearly so wonderfully organized or well-kept. But I remember being a little boy, and uh, my mom would get babysitters for my sister and I periodically. Now, my sister was four years older than I was, and she was perfect, and she still is. And uh, she really is. I mean, uh, and so I thought it was my job to be the counterbalance in that kind of, a, <laughs> that kind of an equation, uh, to be the equal, equal and opposite reaction. And so, so every time we had a babysitter, I just kind of tested the limits. And Mom started out getting the wrong kind of babysitter because she would get these young, pretty cheerleader girls. Well, you... Man, you get some seven-year-old kid and this pretty girl comes in. I'm going to be hanging from the chandelier if we had any, from the light fixture. You know, we just had a little bulb. You know, I'm, 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 trying, to, I'm trying to impress the girl here. Well, Mom pretty well caught on to that. wasn't working out um, when they had to institutionalize a couple of these girls. But no. <laughs> but so she, she thought, well, that chemistry is not working out right. So, so she hired the town grandmother. I come from a small town. The town grandmother. Her name was Grandma Widener. Grandma Wi. Everybody called her Grandma Widener. I don't even know that she had a first name, but everybody called her Grandma Widener. And Grandma Widener 
looked kind of like Yoda in the, uh, <laughs> she was, she was 80 pounds soaking wet. Must have been 450 years old. I mean, she walked just slow and, you know, her head was going when she was walking and she was kind of getting the rhythm thing going. So she, you know, so she could not waste a lot of energy. And she, she, first, I'll never forget, first time she walked in the door, I thought to myself, what is my mother thinking renting this woman? I can take her down. I can, I mean, here she goes. And she's coming in and she's so, I mean, she's got these old hanging clothes and she's got those old, remember those old hose that just, you couldn't see through? You know, they just kind of hung there, you know? So here she comes in her slippers and her old hanging hose. And she's got under her arm uh, this book of Uncle Remus stories. Remember Uncle Remus? And I'm thinking on her way across the room, I'm going to take her out. And she just, she just sat down in that chair and opened that book and just started reading about Br'er Rabbit, Br'er Bear, and I was hers. I mean, I was her for the rest of the night. I was hers. And here, I got to know this one. She, she was so loving and so gentle and just so full of the love of God. Now, when you travel around Shelby, it's not too big a town. You learn where people live. And I remember where Grandma Widener lived. She lived on Walnut Street, surely. It's down, right across from what used to be the bubblegum factory and the, and the bicycle factory, Walnut Street. Not a very wealthy part of town. Now, I remember going past the house with my mom one time, and she said, that's where Grandma Widener lives. And I looked at this old shack, and it just didn't look like it was going to stand for very long. It was one of those old houses. You remember the, the, the old tar paper that was made to look, trying to look like it was brick? Remember, and it had sparkles on it? And it was just kind of cheap stuff. That's where Grandma Widener lived in a little shack. And I remember going past the back of her house one time on my bicycle. You know, in a small town, the blocks are divided by alleys. And so I was right, for some strange reason, I was riding down this alley that was hardly ever used. It was, it was, um, so anyhow, I'm riding down here and I, and I recognized her house and I looked in her backyard, a backyard which very few people would ever see. And there was the most glorious flowers in this backyard. Tenderly kept every day. They weren't arranged in anything. They were just there. And the other day I thought, how neat of Grandma Widener just to raise flowers because she loved beauty and to raise them in a place where few people would ever see them, mostly only God. Only God would look down and say, I like that garden. That's beautiful. I want to challenge all of us to live like that, to give like that, to give in ways whenever you can that only God will see it. And your Father who sees you in secret will respond. Pray with me. God, thank you that you give us more than what we can get for ourselves. And that's all the way from your grace that saves us 
We could never possibly get that for ourselves, but that even extends into the practices that we do and the ways that we try to live out Christ every day. Lord, help us to not try to earn for ourselves what would be a temporary reward. Grow us up, Lord Jesus, and help us to love You so much that pleasing You is really all we care about. Just showing You back some of the beauty You've given our world. Lord, let that be our reward. We love You. In Jesus' name, Amen.